Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the Mind Movement Health Podcast. I'm your host, Kate Boyle, and this week on the show, I have perimenopause and menopause health specialist, Marjorie Nass. Now, Marjorie has helped thousands of women successfully navigate perimenopause and menopause so they feel confident, vibrant, and energized. Her unique holistic approach addresses the underlying causes and symptoms and is designed to not only eliminate them, but to prevent them from occurring as well. Now, in my conversation today with Marjorie, we touch on and dive into perimenopause and menopause symptoms. What can we do to help reduce these symptoms like hot flushes and weight gain, which can often occur at this time? We also go in and chat about Ayurveda and yoga and just really simple habits that we can start to adopt early on to help us as we go through these stages of life. I really enjoyed this conversation with Marjorie and I hope you enjoy it too. So let's have a listen in. Hi, I'm Kate Boyle and welcome to the Mind Movement Health Podcast. Each week, I'll be bringing you health information from diet and lifestyle to movement and nutrition. My aim is to bring you bite-sized pieces of information that you can instigate into your everyday life to change your health. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the podcast. Hi, Marjorie. Thanks for coming on the show today. How are you? It's my pleasure. I'm doing great. Thank you. Well, I know you have a lot of expertise within the perimenopause and menopause area. And this is one area that I know a lot of my listeners are navigating, you know, through this time of their lives. So can you share a little bit more about who you are and what you do in this space? Yeah, thank you again. So I help women thrive through perimenopause and menopause without the hot flashes and excess weight and irritability so they can really thrive and feel healthy and confident for the second chapter of their lives. And and I started working in um, the health and wellness space about 20 years ago. And at first it was just, just physical yoga, physical and spiritual. And then I added on yoga's wellness science, Ayurveda, um, which really helped transform my health and that of my clients. And what was interesting is that when I went through perimenopause and then menopause, I didn't have any issues. And that was really different than my friends, uh, other, other women that I knew or that were, they were talking about it. And a lot of women were really feeling that this was just normal. And I knew from my own experience and from my own clients, even that they weren't struggling that way. So I decided I wanted to help more and more women uh, to not have to struggle through this time in their life. Well, that's, you know, we have had, I've had a couple of experts on before talking about Ayurveda. So I have a little bit of familiarity with it, but for listeners that don't, can you explain a little bit about what it is and how you utilize the principles within it? Absolutely. So when I first learned about Ayurveda, it, you know, it's yoga's wellness science. So it's actually a branch of yoga 
And for most of us, we think about yoga as the asana, as the poses, and there's a spiritual element, but there's a wellness element, a wellness science that's been around for thousands of years. And when I, when I learned about Ayurveda, it was like all of a sudden the world made sense to me because we look at the cycles of the day. We look at the cycles of the night and we look at the cycles of the seasons and how they're changing and how we can adapt what we're eating, how we're sleeping, and how we're living our lives. And there, that is general for everyone. And then there are some specifics because we're all unique. And it's based on the elements, the five elements, earth, water, fire, air, and space. And when we know how we're going out of balance, we can help to, uh, we can help to bring ourselves back to an equilibrium, which is optimal health. I want to just want to say one more thing, which is that Ayurveda's um, main state or our optimal state, which we all can get to is one of ease and joy. So we are not meant to be struggling with our health. It's a sign that things are really out of balance not only in our body, but in our whole life. And, you know, you bring up a good point there that we're not meant to be struggling, but I think so many people do. Like, no, seriously, do you know what I mean? Like, it doesn't matter, you know, no one's perfect in any way, but there's always, you know, I know when I am seeing clients, they're coming to me because, you know, they might have pain in their back or they might have digestive issues if it's nutrition wise, or they might have no energy or they're exhausted, you know, or there's a thyroid condition, but most people are generally struggling with their health in one way or another. And I think, you know, it really is an epidemic and where do we start if we are feeling like we are struggling? Well, that's the big question, isn't, isn't it? And there. It, I think it's a reflection of how we're living our lives, how we're living our lives in terms of work, in terms of the family, and just trying to do everything and disconnecting from ourselves. Like we're so outward, outwardly focused, whether it's just being on social media or 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 reading or not reading or listening to the news or just getting lost in shows and stuff that we're we have forgotten how to listen to our body and the intelligence of our body is remarkable. Think about, I think about when you got pregnant, like there were two of you and then your body made a baby (laughs) and that's incredible. Like the body knows how to thrive. And when we have the basic elements in place, we're just going to move towards balance and it's not easy but it is simple. So I think to start what, what everyone can do is just kind of be with themselves a little bit more, even if that means taking five breaths before you look at your phone, even if that means take five breaths, 10 breaths before you start to eat and just be present with what's happening in your body and not letting the outside world dictate how you're feeling or how you're reacting. Mm, Which is really great advice and (laughs) sometimes easier said than done. But I do like that five breaths because you can really just slow everything down, you know, take that little bit of time out. You don't need to have anything. You just need to be present in the moment. 
Yeah, I agree. And uh, again, it's simple, but not easy. And some people are like, well, I can't meditate for a half an hour, or I can't go to the gym for an hour or whatever it is, but you can take 30 seconds to do five breaths, even if it means it's when you're in the bathroom. (laughs) (laughs) So, so yeah, and, and it, it is hard. It is hard if we haven't done it before. So when we don't think about brushing our teeth, right? We just do it at night. We do it in the morning. And so things like that can start to become habit where it's just, it's just what we do. We sit down in a meal and we're more present. And as that happens, then we can start really feeling into our body because when we're not listening to our body, the messages will get louder and louder until we're forced to pay attention. Attention. So whether if that's, um, you know, something like your knee hurts and you're just, oh, it's okay. It's okay. And you keep doing your exercises and, and it gets worse, like, because you haven't paid attention to it. So it's like, even focusing on, is your body tired? Is your body hungry and listening to those signals as a very first way to start? Yeah, which is, again, just really simple, straightforward advice that everyone can go away and instigate right now, which is fantastic. Now, what, you know, I know you work a lot with women that are, you know, going through perimenopause and menopause, and there are a lot of symptoms that tend to come along with that. The general ones that most people sort of, you know, talk about are the weight gain and the hot flushes, as you mentioned before. So what are some of the shifts that women can start to make to help with these? Great question. So I want to start by saying is that perimenopause starts earlier than many women understand. And some of them are really surprised to learn that that's what's happening. Hot flashes tend to be more of a signal, but any changes in your cycle, Uh, timing of the cycle, heaviness of the cycle, that can be one sign. And and things changing in terms of even in terms of your body composition and sleep, most importantly. So noticing that that's what's happening, that's what's probably happening, especially as you're into your mid to late 40s. And I just want to clarify, because a lot of women are not clear about this. So perimenopause is everything up until menopause, which is really one moment in time, which is a year after your last period. And technically, after that, everything else is postmenopause, but we tend to just call it menopause. menopause. So I think in addition to listening to your body and being really aware of the changes is listening to your body's level of fatigue. And this is something as a culture that we are used to pushing through. Um, People will often have a, a, you know, a badge of honor. I only need five hours of sleep. I can get by fine on, on six hours of sleep. And, you know, there are very small percentage of people that can actually do that. Our body just needs sleep to rest and digest and restore. And that's really one of the tenets of Ayurveda is that we're, we're getting good sleep and we're getting it at, uh, at a time that's the largest amount of time that we're asleep should be dark. So the body can regenerate and, and that kind of makes everything easier if there's good sleep. So one of the first things that I say to people is like, just, just start to notice, especially I know you're, you're working with with a lot of women who are, are moms of younger children. Like, are you using the end of the night after your kids are asleep to do everything for yourself? 
Is that the only time that you have for yourself? And really, you're not going to be enjoying it as much. You're not going to be as able to take care of yourself as much as if you were to go to sleep earlier and then get up a little bit earlier to have that because you have the whole day ahead of you to set yourself up for a day. And the the later you tend to go to sleep, the harder it's going to be to get up in the morning. So that's one of the first things also is just regarding your sleep. And the longer women take to get help, the harder it's going to be to reset the body. So um, many women now, you know, they're 42, 43, they're starting to get hot flashes. And I want to get ahead of this. I don't want to turn into sometimes that's what they saw with their mom or, (laughs) you know, their grandmother. And they're like, I, I don't want this period of of time. So, but if you're not dealing with until you, until after you start your period, it's going to be more thing. It's going to be harder to reset that way. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes sense a lot. And, you know, it's like anything like prevention is better than treatment, essentially. So the more that you can add in prior to it happening, the better you're going to be. I do have a question about the sleep, just from an interest point of view. Is there anything in Ayurveda with your sleep? Because I know for me in the summer months when we've got longer daylight hours and shorter nighttime, I don't feel like I need as much sleep as in the winter when it is darker I definitely sleep longer in the winter than I do in the summer, but I still feel like I wake up as refreshed in the summer after a shorter period of sleep. Is there anything in Ayurveda that, you know, obviously they say sleep when it's dark, but is there anything that reflects around that? Yeah. I mean, that means that you are aligned with nature's rhythms and you are adapting to your body needing more sleep. So winter is a time, you know, whether you're in a cold climate or not, it's a darker time. It's a time to go inwards and reflect. And when we don't do that, when we push through, push through, push through, that's when we're more likely to go out of balance and get sick. I'm going to get back to the summer in a moment, but since we're around the holidays, whenever you're listening to this or not, again, this is the darkest time of the year. We're at the solstice and we're meant to be looking inwards, but in the holidays, it's the exact opposite. We're socializing, we're out there, we're around other people. And that's why so many people do get sick right after the holidays. A lot of people come back from the holidays with colds and, and other things. And that's, and that's generally true. So when there is less light, we do need more sleep. And, uh, and you can just think about a bear or hibernating, right? It's, it's, it's the same thing. And then when there's more light in the summer, if you, uh, if you get up with the sun, that means it's going to be at five o'clock instead of at six 30 and you have more time to be outside, in the evening, in the summer. So that's absolutely in, in alignment with nature's rhythms. Kate. Oh, there you go. I'm already uh, ahead of the game. Yeah. <laughs> now, when it comes to weight around this time, I know lots of women struggle and that's probably the number one thing that I hear. You know, even when people are coming in for Pilates classes, they'll say, you know, I really just can't shift this weight. It's really, you know, come on around my middle. I don't know what to do, you know. So how do you work with women when it comes to to losing that weight during perimenopause and menopause? Yeah, there is some individuality about it, Kate. So whether, because uh, some women have gained a lot more weight, some women, it's just that it's moving around. So it's individual. But what's really interesting is that it's not just about the food and about the exercise. It's about stress and it's about sleep. And that's why it really all, all starts with sleep. So 
when you're stressed and you're not sleeping, that's a time that we do tend to gain weight. And when women are, you know, every year, our metabolism is slowing down a little bit. So if we are still eating the exact same amount that we've eaten for the last 10 years, just by virtue of that, we're going to gain a little bit of weight. Um, and that is, we can, we can do a lot of things about it, but there are some things with aging that we really just can't change. So that's where listening to your body and the hunger signals are really important. So one of the first things when I'm looking at somebody who wants to lose weight, I talk about it as the how, when, where, and why of eating, because it's not just about the food. One of the first things we talk about is getting in touch with our hunger. And for so many women, they're eating at the time that's convenient or the time that they just always eaten. And I work with women and they just don't really know when they're hungry and they don't know what that feels like. So even a quick shift, like checking in, like how hungry am I? Am I even hungry at all? And the body is really intelligent. Like sometimes we don't really need to eat. And in Ayurveda, and I want to talk about this, digestion is paramount. It's everything. So if you're not hungry and you eat, your body gets confused. Like it's not ready for a meal. So it's not going to fully digest. It's not going to be available in, with the, the same nutrients. doesn't matter how perfectly healthy meal, organic, all these different things. So listening to your body's signals about fatigue and about hunger as, as one of the things for weight. So, and also really looking at the stress level and what worked for uh, you with exercise in your forties and thirties may not work as much because if our body is getting too much stress, too much stress hormones from working out too hard. That's also going to contribute to weight gain. Yeah. Well, just on that, almost in a reverse sense, um, my mom has been unwell for a number of years, but she went through a really rough patch a few years ago. So I was under a whole lot of stress and everyone kept saying to me, you're losing too much weight. You've lost too much weight. And just, you know, you just talking about that then has made me gone. I was not even aware of hunger, hunger signals at that time because I obviously had so much stress hormones going all the time. I wasn't hungry, which, you know, cortisol will suppress that because it thinks you need to fight or flight and, you know, digestion is not the immediate response. But yeah, you just talking about that just, you know, highlighted to me then how important managing our stress levels are to just to be, even be in tune with hearing your hunger cues because my body was probably giving them to me in some sense but because I had so much cortisol and stress hormones going I didn't even notice them or wasn't even realizing what was happening so I almost had the reverse <laughs> happening yeah yeah and that happens too and it's a really good point because if you're stressed and you sit and you eat while you're stressed if you're having like a very heated conversation, you're not going to, uh, you won't, your body won't digest optimally in the same way because you're in fight or flight. And that means that all your circulation, all your energy is going out to your extremities, not for digestion. So that's why it's called rest and digest. Yeah. yeah. So we're a really good, you know, 
point for people to think about it, you know, when you are eating, you don't have a stretch stressful situation. Take those few breaths. I know if I have like, you know, just even a tiff with my husband or whatever, I don't feel like eating afterwards. Like you just don't feel, you know, relaxed enough to enjoy your food because you are stressed. So I think, you know, creating an environment where you can relax and not sitting at your desk checking your emails while you're eating can also help. Um, Yeah, I'm so glad you brought brought that up. Being 100% present is really important because if your body isn't aware of what's coming in, it's the same thing like the body's intelligence. And that's why the simplicity of smelling and chewing your food, the body will digest more, uh, more optimally. Hi, everyone. I'm interrupting this podcast to let you know that you can download a free 15-minute core Pilates workout that I've designed especially for you to work your entire body and your core, including your pelvic floor and deep layer of abdominals to really build strength, stability, and mobility. This is a nice quick workout you can fit into your day. It's definitely 100% doable. You don't need any equipment to do it. And I guarantee once you finish your 15 minutes of Pilates, you will feel stronger, more energized, taller, and really joyful and happy for moving your body and getting those endorphins moving. So don't forget, head on over to the show notes and download that free core workout and try some Pilates with me. I can't wait to see you on your mat. Yeah. And I think it's a really, um, you know, a simple tip to make sure that you are chewing your food a lot, but so many people don't. I even stop my girls like so often. My eldest puts a massive mouthful in her mouth and will do like three chews and it's gone. And I have to constantly tell her smaller mouthfuls, more chewing. Um, But yeah, I'm trying to instill that in her from a younger age um, as much as I can. Yeah. And I'm, I'm guilty of it too. And, and I notice you know, I do like to listen to podcasts and sometimes I'll sort of, uh, and I, and I live alone and I don't have kids. And so I will be listening to a podcast and sometimes like I'm distracted by the podcast and I'll realize I'm not focusing. So it's, it's not easy, but whatever you're doing, like looking at the food, how you're eating, why you're eating, are you hungry and all of those things and where you're eating, not at a desk, looking at your email. Because yeah. you get a stressed email and definitely uh, eating with the news on is a sure way to not have good digestion. But so many people do it. I'm not sure what it's like over there, but I know growing up here and even people still do it now, there's the six o'clock sort of nightly news. They put it on while they start to make dinner. And at 6.30, we have a show or whatever called The Project or at 7, um, which is like a recap of the day's news. So it's news programs followed by news programs. And so many families will have that on whilst they're making and then eating dinner and not even realizing the effects that it could be having on their digestion. Yeah, amongst all kinds of, other, and, and that's just the start that it's having on all other things. Um, for anybody who's listening to this, um, who, who is watching the news a little and we're talking about small manageable changes. I like to think about this. Like if you're watching news uh, uh, in the evening, especially right before bed, like there is nothing that's going to happen overnight that you need to know what that is at nine or 10 o'clock at night that you can't wait until the morning to find that out. 
getting a good night's sleep is more important. We want to know what's going on in the world, but in your world where you need sleep so you can be present for your family, for your community, your sleep is more important. You can find out what's happened in later in the next day. Yeah, agree. And I think that's the same for social media as well. Nothing is going to change, you know, overnight in 10 hours. You're not going to miss some new thing from an influencer or a celebrity. Um, I know that I always, um, I like um, books, you know, just real hard copy books. So I always read before I go to bed and make sure that I'm not looking at my phone because I don't want to get that adrenaline, all those cortisol dumps happening. Yeah, there, there. I'm sure you've heard there's all kinds of studies that there is an addictive quality about going through social media, in addition to the screens and avoiding screens at night. So one of the best things we can do is read an actual book or magazine or doing your journal or writing or something like that before you go to bed so that you're you're going to sleep with something positive and, uh, you know, helping our mood and all of those things will contribute to our health, to our weight how we're going through perimenopause and menopause and how we're feeling about ourselves. Yeah, agree. Now, if somebody is listening in and they're like thinking, this is all sounding great and there's lots of useful information here, but I'm not kind of sure which one I should start with, where do you get people to sort of just start right from the basics? Yeah, so the basics are before what you might expect, which is really getting clear on why. Why do you want to feel healthy? Do you want, is it for a lot of women, it's like they want to be present for their children to be active, to be able to be mobile for their children as they grow up, for their grandchildren, and to be as healthy and mobile as possible so that they can keep traveling, they can keep doing pickleball, hiking, all the things that they want to do. So remembering that why, because if we start into getting to the minutiae, I have to do this, I have to do that. And, and it's about the little things to remember the big picture. So that's one of the first things that, that I focus with women. And then we always start with sleep. We always start with sleep because when you're, I call it well slept, when you're well slept, (laughs) everything else is going to get better. You're going to feel less, you know, less snippy. A lot of women in perimenopause and menopause, they're having the night sweats. So they're getting woken up every couple of hours, which is totally disrupts sleep. They're more irritable. They're too tired to exercise. And that just affects everything. And then that affects their weight. So instead looking at, I'm going to prioritize my sleep, everything that I need to do, which might mean adjusting my schedule so that I can go to sleep earlier. And that is the other things like just start with little chunks. Don't all of a sudden say, I'm going to go to sleep two hours earlier. Like if you go to sleep at midnight, say, I'm going to go to sleep at 10. It's got to be like, 15 minute increments, just small increments over time. And uh, it's, you know, I'm not saying that it's easy, but that is a simple thing to do. You don't have to buy anything else. You don't need like a special machine. You don't need like a special sleep tracker, although those are great, but you can just say, I'm going to prioritize myself and my health. And that means going to sleep 15 minutes early to start. Yeah. Well, I would say I would guesstimate that most people would have said you would have gone to changing your diet or adding in your exercise first. That's what I think most people would think, not actually thinking about their sleep. Yeah. 
Yeah. It's interesting. It's interesting. It all, it all starts with sleep. There's some interesting studies that if we've had less than, you know, if we've been up for something more like for more than 18 hours, it's like we have a blood alcohol level that would be considered dangerous. Yeah. So which is pretty that impaired. Yeah. Which is pretty, pretty significant. Impaired. Yeah. Um, now with yoga and Ayurveda, do you need to be practicing yoga to be practicing Ayurveda or are they sort of can be separate streams? That's a really interesting question, Kate. And um, I am going to say, I'm going to take a breath. <laughs> I'm going to say that if you are doing yoga, physical practices of yoga, that you are missing the full benefits of yoga if you are not following the basics of Ayurveda. So I'll give you an example. You could be going to yoga, you know, four or five, six times a week. But if you're going, you know, at six o'clock at night and then at 730, you're eating a huge meal with a glass of wine, like you're not going to be benefiting as much from that yoga practice, as good as it feels, um, because your body is not like absorbing that amazing energy, that amazing experience that you've had. Um, and if you're just doing Ayurveda and not moving your body and not getting in touch with your body, you won't be the benefits for them. So they're really complementary. Um, you can be doing Ayurveda. You don't have to be taking an hour yoga class every day, but of course there are certain, certain things about the awareness of your body that physical yoga will give to you, just like with meditation and, and getting into more of the sensations of your body. Some women, they're just living uh, from their head up and they're not listening to the simplest of body's messages. Like if you don't go to the bathroom when you have to, like that is your body is not going to respond well to that. And as you go through perimenopause and menopause, that can really get to be a problem um, because there are all kinds of changes in the pelvic floor. So it's like even just honoring, like honoring if you're tired, honoring if you have to go to the bathroom, honoring if you're on your cycle and you're really not feeling well, just even if it's just a few minutes, just to take for yourself and be quiet. Yeah. I think that's sometimes hard to do though. And I don't know if it's a, a woman thing or if it's just a people thing, but I think sometimes it is, you know, when you've got so many things happening and people are relying on you and, you know, you've got commitments with work and kids and all the rest of it, trying to say, oh, okay, well, I'm going to carve out some time for me, which might mean you have to say no to other people. I think people really struggle with that, which is where boundaries and stuff can come in too. A hundred percent. And, uh, this is one of the issues for women who are putting everyone else before them, especially as they're raising children and family. They're not fully being there for them because if they're not as healthy as they could be, not as healthy and as happy, ultimately that's going to affect them. And I speak with dozens of women every month and, and I hear from them and they're like, I know this wasn't a good example for my children that I wasn't taking care of myself. And here I am overweight and exhausted and unable to do things with them now because I was always putting them first. So ultimately it is about taking time um, for yourself because it's like, you know, this, the cliche put on your own oxygen mask first. 
None of this is easy, but again, starting with small little changes, because if your kids see you taking good care of yourself, that's an inspiration for them. And you feeling proud of yourself because you're feeling healthy and you're going to have more energy and you're going to be more fun for them to be around. Right. Yeah. And that's all they want. (laughs) They just want to be around you and they want it to be fun. (laughs) Now, if somebody is maybe, you know, body wise, yoga isn't a great fit for them. So for example, you know, through the Pilates, my Pilates side of the business, I'll have people come in that have done yoga in the past, but they're very hypermobile. So they've got, you know, not great stability around their joints and they're pushing into yoga poses because they don't feel that stretch until they go beyond a a general normal joint range. So then they overdo the stretches and then they end up potentially, you know, either having like a labral hip tear or dislocating something, you know, at the extremes. Otherwise, they're just making the joints a lot more lax because they're not doing the strength work. How can they still enjoy yoga? Or if yoga isn't the best fit, what else can they do? We could do a whole podcast just about this, Kate, (laughs) because my background in yoga is all about therapeutics and helping uh, people get out of pain. So that that's really uh, where I went. And, you know, the lax ligaments and hypermobility. I mean, that's why women who who have that, they love yoga so much. They can go and everything, you know, feels so good. And um, in the way that I teach yoga, it's not just about flexibility. It's about strength. And it's got to be both. Even if you're just strong, you've got to be flexible as well. So I would say that it it takes a commitment to say, I am going to listen to my body. It's not about, I don't feel anything. Like you can still feel something when you're not in the full stretch. For you, it might be feeling that your muscle is engaged rather than a stretch. So that rather than just stretching. So in terms of other things, I mean, I think the mindfulness about yoga is wonderful. And just taking that mindfulness into a Pilates class or um, the reformer, however you're teaching them and, and building strength that way. I mean, again, I think it really depends on the individual and they're lucky if they have you um, to be talking to about that. But if they're, if they're getting injured because they're hypermobile, maybe taking a break from yoga and, and getting into that feeling of strength in your body and enjoying that. Um, I had a teacher and she, we, we worked a lot on alignment, but she would, she used the term um, sensation junkies that people that were so flexible just wanted to push and push and push until they felt something, Mm -hmm. but the way their body was, was designed just from a hereditary standpoint, genetic standpoint, that's not where they were going to feel something where somebody else who, you know, stretches their hamstring, they're going to feel it, you know, moving a half an inch. Does that answer your question? Yes, it does. Because I am often, um, you know, I work a lot with um, hypermobility within class and it's actually super amazing how many women over like between the ages of probably 40 and 70 that come to me with pain and they're they're hypermobile like there is some form of hypermobility and I see it a lot more in women than I see it in men um, and they have a lot less strength so you know not to say that I haven't seen it in men but I think they overall in general they tend to have a bit more stability they don't you're not not made the same as us so estrogen and all the rest of it different pelvis 
this. Um, but yeah, I see a lot of hypermobility and I always have to say to them when we are doing certain exercises and stretches, work to sort of 80 to 85% of your full stretch. Don't go to the 100 and don't worry if you can't feel it because that's the most constant thing I hear from them is, but I don't feel anything, but I don't. And I'm like, that's okay. That doesn't mean that your muscles aren't working. It just means that at that point you are getting a stretch. You might not register it, but it still is effective. Um, But trying to communicate that to them is actually quite difficult because they're so used to having to push to feel something and they really love that. They love feeling that stretch um, more so than say the average, you know, the average person that goes, that doesn't have hyper um, mobility, they go into a stretch and they're like, Oh, this is so tight. How long do I have to hold this for? Whereas the hypermobile person's like, Oh, this is amazing. How long can I stay in this for? It's a very different um, mentality. Yeah, I agree. And this is again, where some of the um, specificity, um, comes in where not every type of yoga is going to be right for anybody else. Um, Some people need uh, a more restorative type of yoga that's going to be a little quieter. That for somebody who's injured, that might be for them. And that is so good for stress relief. If uh, I don't know if you call it the same thing. Sometimes it's called yin yoga and you're holding poses for a long period of time supported by props so that your whole body can just drop into this relaxation response. Uh, It's very, very restful yoga nidra also, which is a way of getting into that yogic sleep. And it's just, it's just fantastic. So even, you know, taking five minutes of that, when I was teaching early in the morning, I uh, would often have the middle of the day a little bit of, and I would do legs up the wall just for like a half an hour. And then I would be good for the rest of the day. It's like a little recharge. Yeah. So I think, you know, a good point there is too, it doesn't have to be a long 30 minute, an hour session. You can just build it into your day in short five minutes or 10 minutes. Yeah. Five minutes of legs up the wall is great. I would take it, take it a little bit longer if you can. Five minutes, you guys, five breaths, five minutes. It's all, it's all going to contribute because if you multiply that over a month or over a year, it's a lot of time that you've begun taking care of yourself and your body, which is the only house you have to live in. Yeah. And that's it. It's the consistency of it, isn't it? Five minutes a day is better than, you know, 20 minutes a week because it adds up over time. So the more consistent you are, the better you're going to be. Exactly. And uh, weekend warriors is like the term that people who are working all week, they don't have time to do any exercise. And then they go full out on the weekend with bike rides and, you know, four yoga classes in the weekend. And that's when things start to go wrong with injuries. Yeah. So small, frequent, consistent is the key. Exactly. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show today and sharing a wealth of information. Now, I always like to finish with the same question, which is if listeners that are tuning in, you know, they found inspiration from listening today and they want to go away and just instigate one thing straight away that will help improve their health, what should it be? Well, we talked a lot about sleep. We talked about the five breath, the five breaths before eating. So I'm going to add something in addition to that, which is starting the day with hot water. 
water. Like a lot of people are drinking water with lemon, but something that is warm. Um, one of the things that's going to do is it's going to help you eliminate. So you're starting the day um, without yesterday's waste. So the the heat of the of the um, of the water is going to help that. If you want to use lemon, that's fine too. But really drinking 12, 16, uh, 24 ounces, as much water as you can. Yeah. And is that um, the hot water, does that come back to the Ayurveda practice yes. as well? A hundred, a hundred percent. So um, it's really, I don't know what it's like in Australia, but in the United States, water comes with ice. But if you go to an Asian restaurant, they do not serve water with ice because it interferes with digestion because we need heat to digest our body, uh, our food. And if we're drinking cold things, that's going to interfere with our digestion. So the warmth is getting things moving in your body and uh, your body's warm. So you don't want anything too cold to shock the system, especially around when you're eating and first thing in the morning. Yeah. Well, over here, it's really only the fast food places that will put ice in your drink. Well, they used to. I don't go to them, so it's been a long time since I've been to one. Um, but general restaurants will just be, um, you always get asked if you want tap water or, or sparkling. Um, and the tap water is usually filtered, but it really just is, you know, the bottle put on the table, you know, out of the tap. So it's not chilled or anything like that. So I guess we're pretty good here. But I, um, my husband has a habit of he always likes ice in his um water at dinner and I'm always saying to them it affects your digestion just try to have it you know normal temperature but he doesn't listen to me (laughs) so yes anyway good food for thought now where can listeners reach out and connect with you yeah thank you for that. So, um, and my website is marjorynass.com and I have a Facebook page and I also have a Facebook group called vibrant through menopause. So I'd love to, I'd love to see you guys in there. Now I have a free masterclass five shifts to thrive through perimenopause and menopause that is available on my website. And it's just got the first, you know, the first shifts that you can make to start to feel good and know that you're on the right trajectory for feeling better rather than that you might be feeling old. A lot of women say to me that they don't feel like themselves and we can get back to ourselves. Amazing. Well, I'll link all of those up into the show notes too. So listeners can definitely head on over to the show notes and um, check out all of Marjorie's links. But otherwise, thanks again for coming on the show. It's been a pleasure having you on. It's been a pleasure speaking with you, Kate. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening into the podcast. Please hit subscribe to be updated for each time we release a new podcast.